The Voice of the King. Sunday Live. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Sunday Live. Unfortunately, we're not able today. It's Sheikh Ihsan Talib on the phone. We're hoping to speak to him about the Zulu, uh, Zulu uh, monarchy uh, formally being introduced to Islam. This happened uh, in the past week, uh, the 23rd of July. Uh, Muslim, the Muslim community from Cape Town made a uh, trek up to Nkandla. Uh, uh, to uh, present to the uh, Zulu royal family, including the Mekize family, who's the, who, who are regarded, regarded as the nucleus of the royal family within the Zulu nation. And uh, this, of course, uh, something that's very significant, but Islam, no stranger to the, uh, to the Zulu uh, uh, kingdom. In actual fact, uh, some parts of the family of these of the Mekizi family have actually embraced Islam about 60 years ago, but the region was not recognized uh, by the um, elders of the of the of the community at that time. So Islam has been there, and this is of course now just a formal introduction. And Islam now will be seen as one of the strands of faith uh, that has been uh, you know that, that that has been accepted within the Zulu community. Momentous occasion, Alhamdulillah, and it shows once again how Islam crosses borders and cultural boundaries um, and I think uh, something very exciting a very exciting development we're going to try now and get hold of um, uh, our next guest inshallah and this uh, and that, of course, is, uh, um, uh, a, 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 and I'll, I think I'll, I'll keep a little bit of suspense there. Our next guest is someone who um, played a very key role in the uh, liberation of uh, South Africa. Uh, she's also married to a very famous gentleman as well. And uh, um, we're going to be talking about her life and times, celebrating her. Uh, obviously, August is Women's Month, and this is the time where we uh, focus on the ladies. Not that we shouldn't be doing it any other time of the year, uh, but we play special focus on and we're going to be looking at the contributions in the show of women and what they, and the contributions they've made uh, to their families, to the communities, and to society as a whole. Inshallah. Well, the lady does join us in studio, and that's of course uh, um, uh, Rashida Shabudin, and she is the wife of um, a former premier of the Western Cape, as well as also uh, ambassador to the United States. That's of course uh, uh, Ibrahim Russell. Uh, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to VSC Studios. Walaikum salam. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, does it feel a bit strange to be celebrated in this way? In in which way now? <laughs> <laughs> because obviously, 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 um, this seat is yeah. reserved for um, people who have made a contribution, and obviously, I don't think I expect you to talk about it yourself. But uh, we we do recognize yourself, and many others have, have played a key role in South Africa uh, in terms of the liberation of this country, uh, in terms of nation building as well, um, to a certain degree. Um, but but before we even get to that, I just want to go back uh, right to the beginning and talk and tell us a bit about Rashida Shabuddin and uh, where she came from and you know uh, what inspires her. Um, you know, I when you invited me, I always feel that I don't represent myself. I represent a whole community. Mm. I represent women that were in the struggle before mm. me and that taught me uh, the way of uh, participating in the struggle. So this is not about me. This is about <laughs> a community um, that made a decision a very long time ago to be on the right side of justice. And that is, that is who I represent here. Um, so I wear many hats, and in my case, many scarves. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you know me as the spouse of Ibrahim, but I think I also, um, people also know me as um, a mother. They know me as an activist, and particularly a gender activist. Um, 
And uh, as a commissioner, I served on the Commission for Gender Equality. They don't know me as a director. I was the director of the Gender Advocacy Program. And then also a community activist. Um, worked in Manenberg, worked in Haderfeld. Yeah, and just, um, yeah, just working towards the development of South Africa. Now, uh, you spoke about being a gender activist, and I have to ask this question uh, then. Was it difficult? I mean, in, during the struggle, uh, there was a lot of, uh, um, of, of restrictions placed on, 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 on es- especially people who were suspected of being involved in a campaign against the apartheid government at that time. But was it a special kind of challenge being a Muslim woman involved in the struggle? Were there specific challenges that you had to face as a, as a Muslim woman? You know, I started uh, my... Um I got my vision about how to be in life from a young age. Mm. I think I was about 14 when I was in my first um, anti-apartheid meeting at a school um, and then were part of the SRC. um, And part of my Islam was always about what you can do for humanity. And I think part of my expression of Islam was to be participating in the anti-apartheid struggle. Um, And I think people often you know, feel that how do you express your Muslimness? How do you express being a good Muslim? And I believe that part of being a good Muslim and expressing our Islam in the world is to say where are we needed? Where can we work towards the upliftment of people? Um, So I, um, of course, there's contestation about women's role in society, and I also encountered that. But that um, just made me very uh, convinced that we should play a role in, in, in our society. And obviously um, you form a part of a, 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 a political party at, at some point uh, and you were engaging with various other, uh, uh, okay, it wasn't a political party at the time, it was a liberational movement, but you were engaging mm. with various other movements at that time. Uh, was there a challenge, was there a common understanding amongst uh, uh, the various, the various uh, you know, sectors and, 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 and uh, members of those, of those organizations? Were women given the same platform as, as men uh, in terms of moving the, 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 the struggle forward? Um, you know, I've, my um, initiation into the political struggle was through the Call of Islam. Mm-hmm. And that organization was very clear that women are men, m- women and men are equal, and therefore they have... I was in the leadership of the Call of Islam, which was very new for a, for a Muslim organization mm-hmm. to have women in leadership. Um, so part of my training in the Call of Islam was to say that men and women can be in leadership. Um, And I think that, of course, there was challenges about issues around women's representation, because often when women are part of the struggle, which we've been, often when it comes to the moment that women, that, you know, where there's a stage or there's a march, women often don't form the, the first row. You know, because they're so busy with organizing, they're busy with seeing whether the flags are made, all of those kind of things. And often they don't, uh, they're not on the stage or they're not on the, in the first row. And therefore, I think that this movement around ins- in insisting that women are equally represented in leadership structures is an important movement. Um, yeah, so... The, there was challenges, but I think when you're conscious about the challenge, you don't pretend it doesn't exist. Like just like racism, if you know it's there, you address it. 
um, so that was the case, yeah. Just before we, we brought Antirishira in, one of the things we spoke about was the fact that uh, we spoke about gender, just general, generally gender issues are not something that is, um, you know, robustly spoken about, op- uh, you know, in, in society. Um, what made you go into investigating and researching gender issues in society and actually getting involved with the Gender Commission? Um, you know, it wasn't a research. It was part of my, as I indicated, for me, Islam is compatible with gender mm. equality. This is a belief that I, ha- that I ha- um, keep very strongly, and that inspires me. I think that if we don't unleash the potential of women, then we are going to struggle in society like we're struggling now. You can't keep 50% of your community saying to them that they don't have a role to play. And my... Um, yeah, my objective or the things that I do is to say to women, you don't have to be one or the other. You, in a society like this, you don't have the luxury to just be the mother of your kids. You have to be the mother of that community. Um, you can't study to become a doctor and then decide after you've done your training, you're not going to be a doctor. And I understand this issue around motherhood and all of that, but you can say maybe I can do it part-time. Maybe I can use some of my time to volunteer. I can use some of my time one day a week go to a school or to an old age. So I believe that women, we can't limit ourselves because limiting ourselves means that we take away from society and we've got so much to give. And so I want to appeal in a sense to women not to have this dichotomy, you're either this or you're either that. In my role as an activist, as a mother, as a spouse, I could carry all of that. And that is important to understand. Mm. You don't have to give up one or the other. Now, if we look at um, women today and the the, the challenges they face today, um, look, the question it begs the question. Then, uh, if we look at if we look at pre apart or during the apartheid era, um, obviously it was very much a a, 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 um, a struggle of race upon race more than anything else. But could you identify challenges um, and inequalities that were waged upon women, uh, particularly in in those times and also looking ahead now to the the current uh, dispensation, the fact that we are now 21, 22 years into democracy. um, What are some of the challenges that women still face today uh, in in, in, in achieving that kind of equality um, that, you know, uh, it should be celebrated, that should be celebrated by all of us? Yeah. Look, I mean, apartheid was not just a race issue, it was also a gender issue. Um, uh, that time, the apartheid government believed that women don't have the capacity to lead. Therefore, in the apartheid government, I think that there was less than 0.2% women in government. Today, we have over 45% women in government. Um, and particularly, it came through um, the work of the African National Congress because they have a quota system for women. And quota systems work, as you can see, in South Africa um, so there was a lot of discrimination. I think sometimes we, we don't understand that it wasn't just a system of race, but also a system of saying to particularly black women, um, your role is just to look after white people's children, to be a domestic. We couldn't become principals. We couldn't become um, managers of companies. We couldn't become leaders in our in, in, in institution. Things have changed. I think for the better. Um, 
as I as I said, women are now leading companies. We have we are um, number eight. We are the highest uh, um, percentage of women in parliament. The struggle I think we're sitting with is that whether women limiting are limiting themselves today, whether we're falling back in terms of saying to ourselves, you know, this struggle that we've worked for to liberate our country, whether the women are taking up the opportunities to be in leadership. And I think that's what we, mm. that we're struggling with. And part, I think, part of our discussions usually is about how do we allow women to be able to be confident enough to be able to take up that positions. Um, because, you know, like the apartheid government, they told us a lot of things about who we are. Black people, what we can't or what we can do. These are kind of things that are being told to women as well. And so it's time that women release the self-limiting beliefs and step up and say our country needs us and therefore we have to take leadership positions. And also, um, uh, looking, I just want to take a step back again and uh, now look at, um, the, at, at the time when you were a young person and um, you made the migration from Call of Islam to the African National Congress at the time, you rubbed shoulders with giants uh, in, the lib- in the liberational movement, people. Uh, uh, what, what were some of the lessons you extracted as a young person from some of those people, some of those mm-hmm. figureheads today that are celebrated okay. as you know, cornerstones of, of, of the struggle? You know, some, um, particularly some women that inspired me is someone like Amina Kachalia, um, Frini Ginwala, Winnie Mandela. Um, these are women that went through difficult times but had the courage to continue in the, in the anti-apartheid struggle. Um, yeah, so I think I drew from their courage. Um, yeah, and that's, that's how I move forward. I look at what happened, what is the kind of things that they've encountered and how they've moved forward. But then I've met people like Nelson Mandela. It's, uh, you know, mm. and I was, I was in awe of the humbleness of this person. And I thought that if we can have such leadership where you are completely attentive to what your nation needs, you're in complete um, sync with w- at what point your nation needs you to speak, at what point your nation needs you to be pulled together, and I think that is the kind of leadership that I admire. And that is the kind of um, leadership that inspires me to say our country will be on the right track if we provide the right leadership. Um, yeah. And of course, that's the voice of Rashida Shabuddin, uh, and she's our unsung hero this uh, morning uh, in this segment. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more uh, for you with her, and then also um, we'll be uh, welcoming your SMSs on 47913 as well. Back after this. Sunday Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back. It's Sunday Live and we have a very special guest uh, in our Unsung Heroes segment this uh, morning. That's uh, Rashida Shabudin. Uh, she is uh, a well-respected uh, Unsung Hero, uh, heroine as well as a person who has served the community for many, many years and agenda activist um, uh, speaking about uh, life and times. And uh, um, before the break, we spoke also about what inspires and some of those figureheads within the liberational movement at the time who had played a key role in shaping her vision uh, of politics and of nation building. Um, uh, coming back to, um, should I say, uh, the w- South Africa today, um, would you say that uh, 
pre-1994, pre um, the vision that you had for South Africa, would you say that vision has been realized in your eyes um, now if we look at where, where we are as South Africans? And what do you think still needs to happen uh, if there's still things that need to happen uh, to make that, re uh, that vision a reality? You know, I think that we often underestimated the devastation that apartheid did to this country, um, not just in terms of the economic um, deprivation of black people, but also the kind of violence they left in our community. So I think we've come a far way, but we still have a long journey to walk. Um, the challenges that I think we are faced with, in particularly from my perspective, is the issue around violence against women. We have a major problem around drug abuse in our community that also causes violence against women. Like, you know, because when these people are intoxicated, they don't know what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, and then I think that there's a whole area of entrepreneurship that we need to develop. And that is the one thing that I've learned in the United States is this issue around confidence, being able to conceptualize something and move with it. And I think that's what South Africa mm. needs. So there's, and that's why I say that women don't have the choice in South Africa to make ourselves unemployed. Mm. You know, we've got an unemployment rate of 26%, I've just heard on the radio before this, before this segment. And so I am astonished when I hear women um, and of make themselves unemployed, you know, when there's so much still to do. For example, I, me I met women in America, Muslim women, that live their Islam th through being the best they can be. Mm. For example, they saw a need to have shelters for women um, because of the abuse they suffer in their house. They started charity shops, they're entrepreneurs, um, and for them, that is how they express their Islam. And I think that's important. So South Africa, in a, um, in a, sh in a short way, um, South Africa has come a long way, but we have still much to do. Unemployment is high, as I indicated. And of course, we have to um, address the issue around violence in our community. Higher walls, um, bigger fences, alarms is not going to say what can we do to make our society a more peaceful society. And I think that is a challenge for all of us. And then also, um, if I can zoom in now, we spoke broadly about South Africa, but if we look at the Muslim community, also were a very disenfranchised community within uh, the, the, the apartheid years, the dark days of apartheid. Um, what are the things that we can do as a Muslim community? Uh, and what are, what are the things that are at our disposal to um, firstly, obviously, uh, contribute mm. to gender equality on, 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 a, on, a, on, a, on a level that, that, that is meaningful, but then also as a, as a broader Muslim community uh, to empower ourselves uh, within the uh, rights and, and, and within the privileges that we now are afforded outside of, outside of apartheid. Yeah. Look, it's what we must understand, and, and, and this is now for the young people, it's not by coincidence that the first democratic elected government we had so many Muslim men and women in Parliament. And I think that we don't understand that concept of being at the right place at the right time on the right side of justice. I think the Muslim community is called upon again mm. to say, what can we do in South Africa to make a contribution? You know, we find in our community now so many people that, that you know, that is busy with um, cynicism, um, 
kind of very fancy plots and ideas and all of that, the question that we need to ask ourselves is what does our what does South Africa need and how can the Muslim community as a whole um, develop South Africa? Because that is the question we asked ourselves that time in the Call of Islam. What is needed of us as a Muslim community? That is how you become important in a, in a society. Um, for example, and that's one of the reasons why when people come here from other countries, Muslim people, they are surprised, delightfully surprised, how integrated we are. We don't have this issue around we have a homeland somewhere mm -hmm. else. This is our country. This is where our ancestors laid roots. And we as a, as a Muslim community really you know, thought through how we contribute um, to that, to the society. We can't relax now. We have to say what is needed now. If there is a drug problem in our community, you can't just march against the drug lords. Who takes the drugs? So we, you can't find easy options. And I think as a Muslim community, we have to say the problem is also within our community. How do we as a community say, how do we solve the problem? Mm. What do we do? Do we put up drug clinics? Do we have facilities? And that's the other thing that I've learned in America also. Mosques are not, you know, um, ivory towers. The mosque serves as multi-purpose centers. So you have people making salah, then they roll up the carpets, then it's a basketball field. Then they have free clinics on a Saturday, they have the madrasas, they have classes. It is a hive of activity, not the silent places where people only accumulate during, um, during Salah times. So I think we have to think through our mosque. What do we do at our mosque to help our communities? Mm. Um, is it a shelter? Is it a drug clinic? Is it a, what do we do? Um, in, yeah. in terms of your life in the States, was it difficult for you and the family to transition from Cape Town um, to Washington? And also, um, maybe you can, um, you know, just tell the listeners a little bit about the work that you do as part of the World for All Foundation. Yeah. Look, I, our roots are deep in, <laughs> in Cape Town. And so it was difficult for us because this is all that we know and that we love. Um, but I think just having a vision of what we wanted to export to America was important. And the one thing we wanted to export was the issue around the integration of Muslims, not to live in little islands. Um, and I think that was very important for us. The other um, opportunity that, that I knew was important is to make people want to come to South Africa. For every one tourist, it gives work for four people. So you can imagine how hard I work to get tourists on this side because I knew it had a direct impact in terms of economic development. Um, and then just um, for people to understand that, that you know, you know, when people speak about South Africa, mm -hmm. they think it's one country. <laughs> there isn't a differentiation between yeah. South Africa and Zimbabwe. And so if something happens in Zimbabwe, they think it happens yeah. in South Africa. And just to make South Africa known. And then exporting the issue around reconciliation and forgiveness. The world needs that. Yeah. You know, because we are living in extreme, in extreme uh, extremities. Um, if you have a problem, you, you, f you, you resort to violence. So that is the one thing that the World for All Foundation is doing. We want to work towards a world that is safe for everyone, race, gender, and also find a way of speaking to the issues that is confronting the Muslim community without resorting to violence. Mm. Um, 
and yeah and, and addressing the issue around extremism in particular so mm. large part of your life has been spent um you know at the side of you know uncle Ibrahim and mm. through his um work you know within the political arena as well um tell us a little bit about that i mean often we know we, we know you as a political family yeah. but uh, what happened you know after the cameras and you know politics is left by the door yeah. and you guys go inside and you close that door what's yeah. the family like and how has the family kind of um also made a life for itself in a sense in in the yeah. states now I think the one thing that is um that is wonderful about our marriage is that we see it as a partnership. And often people say, Oh, the powerful man, you know, or the powerful woman behind the man and all of that. And we tend to say it's actually we walk together. It's not an issue around who's behind who because we feel a marriage you a marriage is where you ensure that both partners achieve their highest potential. The one can't be great and the other one is down down there so for Ibrahim and myself we've worked out work we work very hard to have a relationship where we respect each other's dignity we try to make sure that we give each other's um, support to achieve the highest potential and then of course Ibrahim is a wonderful person in terms of not letting his position of being in leadership and saying that he can't take care of the household or the kids so right through our relationship up till 28 years later we share equal responsibility of the children we share equal responsibility of cooking working in the house all of that that is how it should be it's a wonderful relationship it can work um, if we believe that a partnership is one way each one makes sure that the other partner um, achieve the highest pot potential in their lifetime and of course, those are the, that's the words of uh, Rashida Shabuddin, wife of Ibra uh, Ibrahim Rasul, uh, and also uh, a, a lady in her own right. I think has carved out uh, a quite a quite a, 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 a legacy. Uh, I think this is something that many of our young w women, especially in this community, can aspire to. Uh, especially on the issue of gender equality, I think that um, perhaps South African women still have a long way to go. There are many various inequalities, uh, and and perhaps uh, we need to extend a hand of of, of friendship, a hand of assistance to one another in order to in, in, in to raise uh, our level and to to be able to assist one another in, in getting to a level where where everyone enjoys the same rights and freedoms uh, that is enshrined in the constitution. But once again, shukran so much. All the best, inshallah. It's, it's been a pleasure having you in studio, inshallah. And um, uh, I know that the listeners who joined, I've seen a couple of SMSs coming through, so we'll do that a little bit later, inshallah. As-salamu alaykum.